Hello, welcome to Free Will, Science, and Religion. My name's Chandler Klebs, and I'm here with Jamie Soden, David Joseph, George Ortega, and WSD Time, also known as Will. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about the subject of abortion. It's a very controversial topic, and we kind of got into it um, before the podcast, and so we're we're doing a podcast on this, and we can tie it to the belief in free will and the differences um, in how we each view abortion and also perhaps the causes of why we view it that way. And since I'm just starting out introducing this podcast, I want to mention the most important point of all is that we do not judge or blame women who have had abortions. That's the first um, thing that people need to know. And I understand that every action, every choice, everything that ever happens is causally determined. It is forced. And so um, I think the problem is that people, they know that I'm the anti-choice determinist. That's sort of the label, and I have a whole video series where I rant about that. But what they don't understand is I'm not some free will believing Catholic. That's not me at all. And so I think people who have listened to my videos or read my books um, know how I feel about already. So this podcast, I want to make sure that all four of the other co-hosts on here get to say how they feel about the matter. So who would like to go first? Well, 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 it's like I said before, just... I always um, had this problem with parenting and about the abortion thing. I ain't really, to me, I don't know what to say about abortion because, honestly, it just, yeah, it is taking a life, but at the same time, you know, I'm not exactly sure on the, on this subject. Um, I'm not sure either. But I don't really have a willful, you know, willful All right, let me... Let me start then, uh, guys. Um, so, like, I think that, you know, even, like, you know, like, you know, in politics, I was working for the Democrats for years, and they would acknowledge, for example, Clinton, Bill Clinton would acknowledge, yeah, sure, everybody understands that abortion is wrong. So, basically, what they wanted to do was institute policies to make it as rare as possible, you know, so we'd resort to it as, as you know, least often as possible. And that makes sense. So, I, I think there's a kind of general agreement. Um, that it isn't right. I mean, like, even, like, if you, you kind of, like, consider what actually happens, you know, the, the, the fetus, the embryo just yanked out of there. It just, it doesn't seem right, you know, from that perspective. But then again, like, with morality, we have to weigh certain rights against other rights. Um, you know, the greater of two goods, the lesser of two evils. So, so I think that's what the consideration is. Is it more right to allow the... Uh, is it more wrong to allow the, the fetus and the, the, the baby to be born and then the mother and the family and, and the child, you know, lives a life of extreme suffering, of, you know, great privation, poverty, or is it, or in some cases like, you know, great, um, let's say the fetus is determined to be malformed. So like, is, is, it, is that the, the lesser, uh, the greater wrong, or is it more wrong to end the child's life the, the fetus's life, you know, and then like the the, the possibility or hope is that there is um, um, an existence afterlife, in which case that that 
fetus would, would do better and, and, and the family you know here on earth would do, do better without having to to um, you know basically to rear a, a child that they can't afford or just that you know would be you know reared in, in very very um, painful circumstances yes George you said some really important stuff there um, particularly the belief in an afterlife is sort of relevant to how somebody like me feels about abortion because it used to be where you know when I was a Christian and believed in heaven and all that it wasn't quite as bad and yet I, I mean I could still never dream of ever assisting or supporting or paying for an abortion or anything such as that because I'm just so pro-life that's the way I am and yet I think what makes it difficult for me is the fact that this life is what I believe the only thing we get and so that's why I have this extra edge about that that just makes me sometimes get really depressed about it when I know that that these lives are just starting out and then they're being violently killed, you know. Um, but you said some very important stuff, George, you know. It is it is kind of a difficult thing because people talk about weighing rights and stuff like that. And, you know, what is the greater good? And I've, I've seen so many um, crazy debates on Facebook. I've, I've watched debate videos. And this topic is one that, you know, people are... If they don't have a well-formed opinion, then obviously what Will or Jamie said, you know, how they're really not sure what to say about it. I think that's the honest approach, you know. For a lot of people, they don't even get into it. They don't, they don't want to talk about it either because they're not sure where they stand on it yet. And also, they don't want to incur hatred from those who disagree with them. Um, but perhaps um, we could move on to... The causes that compel these women to um, abort their children and how we can deterministically um, basically make abortion rare. Ideally, I'd like to prevent, prevent all cases of it, but I'm willing to work with anybody who wants to use any means to make it more rare and reduce it. Well, let's, let's focus then on how this belief in free will would be a cause for more abortions um, than would otherwise, you know, happen. I, I think one one example of this, is, for example, like when people attribute free will to other people or to themselves, um, all of a sudden, yes, this becomes about like we killing fetuses, we you know murdering fetuses and stuff, and that you know becomes a very difficult topic for people to talk about. And if people aren't exploring a topic, it's much more difficult to arrive at solutions. So the first thing is, like, to the extent that people understand that, fine, it is a horrible thing, but people, we are not responsible fundamentally for it, then that, that could kind of, like, free people from the denial that would otherwise, you know, motivate them to, to explore how to, to make it as rare as possible. Yes, and that's, you know, why the title of my book is Free Will and Abortion Denial, because I do believe people go into denial about this issue because they don't want to feel the guilt of having killed a baby, you know. And so what the reason, that's part of the main motivation behind why I'm part of the show. And, and perhaps 
people don't get that, but that's still a big part of it. I mean, and George, you remember that was one of the first subjects I emailed you about, you know, long before I became the co-host on your Exploring the Illusion of Free Will show and, and that we started doing these Skype meetings and recording podcasts. I do believe that we need to rid the women of the blame and guilt that's thrown on them due to the free will belief. And I, I, my message is not, is not, you know, you awful sinner, you're going to hell because you killed your baby. No, my message is more like, I feel really bad for you and want to help you because it's just not right that women should ever be put in a situation like that. And what can we all do as a society while we're reducing the belief in free will, which is a totally incoherent concept, we want to make sure that social change happens in the form of, of education or, or special programs to help single mothers who seem to have pretty much the whole world against them and these men who get them pregnant and then leave them. Oh, trust me. Trust me. <laughs> They don't have the whole world against them. <laughs> well, what do you mean, Will? Well, let's just say that, you know, the child support and all that, you know, the child support, and they keep having these kids, you know, because of that. Me, honestly, I think if they cut that off, that will um, stop a lot of it. No, what I think should happen is if you if you have kids, then both, uh, both partners should be made to pay for the, uh, you know, raising the child, not just one, not just one partner, like you see. A lot of it's like um, biased towards like you know men. Um, they seem to have this ruling where the the man has to pay for the child and not the woman, you know. And I think it should be both. Yeah, cause yeah, that's the that is true, dude. It, like I said, the guy had to um have the kid and trust me. They pay child support and they say there's no debtor's law, no no debtor's prison. <laughs> yeah, right. Don't pay, miss, a, um, pay, miss a payment in that child support. So, Will, let me make sure I understand this. Are you saying that men want these women to abort so that they don't have to pay child support? Actually, I feel that, um, no, it's not what I'm saying at all. I feel that, that the government, this is not really the man's fault because sometimes when these dudes have these kids, they don't want to have these kids. Trust me, I know. Yeah, no, I, well, I think your point is very valid. I think a lot of yeah, men... Yeah, they don't, they don't want to have these kids. This most of the time, the women just have them because, you know, they can pin exactly. the blame or something. Yeah, the, the, men, the men don't want a lot, of, a lot of times the men aren't married to the women. They don't want to raise a, a child. Exactly. You know, absolutely. Yeah. And they get pressured into it sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's not a black and white thing. But um, I do yeah. think if you're going to have a child, then both, both the male and female should be made to pay for the child. It's not fair that, you know, mm -hmm. men are the only ones who have to pay child support. Trust me, yeah. Look it up. It, yeah. It's not as black and white as most people think it is. When they, the person walks out, it's because, more likely, it's because of the woman. And the dude doesn't want to deal with the crap. And they just do the bare minimum. Because, like I said, half of those kids that I talked to, they didn't want to have that kid. They wasn't ready for that kid. And, you know, this, this is actually heavily related into the free will topic in an extreme way because the reason that people um, are having these children, the reason women get pregnant, is not because they're choosing of their free will to get pregnant. You know, that's not how it happens. But because, for whatever reason, um, almost all the animals on the planet um, 
are biologically driven to have sex for whatever reason. I never quite got it. And since the effect... To reproduce. Yes, the reproduction and, you know, um, and so the effect... Only difference between the animals is they'll do it just to reproduce. They don't do it just for pleasure, like we yeah. Well, it's very it's interesting. Awesome. You know, I mean, we're, we're compelled to reproduce. That's human nature. Right. So what we're saying is that this is a compelled by nature sort of thing. This isn't people choosing to conceive children and then choosing to kill them. That's not exactly how it works. It's just that some people, um, some people like me are sort of like, well, I know that, um, you know, that's the way children get conceived. And that has a lot to do with why I'm still a virgin, you know? All right, I've got a question, guys. All right, so, like, let's say tomorrow everybody, um, you know, believes, understands that nobody has a free will. Might, um, David, I want to hear your, your input on this. If that happens, you know, would that maybe you be used by a lot more people as an excuse to have abortions? In other words, like, they're saying, well, it's not really my fault. I'm, you know, this is what, like, the universe is kind of, like, leading me to want to do. Yeah, that's that's a tricky one. Um, I uh, I'm kind of on the fence about this one. I think I could be considered uh, pro-choice. I think it's called. Um, but but for for me, it matters at what stage the abortion has taken place. So I'm not sure what what the legal requirements are in USA. If it's 16 weeks or or 18 weeks or something like that. But um, I think around that time is is kind of like the legal limit in uh, in most countries. So, well, well, I, I w so, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, David, so that's very interesting. So what's your criteria? In other words, like, what happens, let's say, between the first month of the term and whatever, you know, month you believe that, you know, after that, um, the abortion would be wrong? Yeah, I, this is the thing. This is why I'm, I'm kind of on the fence about this. I'm not entirely sure how to define um, what would be considered too late or what would be considered early enough. How, it how is to, touchy subjects, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, yes. how, uh, what, at what point do we, do we... Podcasts are so hard to discuss. Right, right. That's so, why I read what, discussed uh, abortion, because um, in, the, in the past, when I mentioned my opinions on abortion, um, I've been called a bloodlusted fool, you know, for saying, you know, I think in certain cases, um, abortion can be, um, how can I put it, well, not exactly justified, but more more along the lines of understandable, you know. Yeah, I mean, there can be situations where a woman can be in danger, her health can be at risk exactly. due to, to carrying a baby. So in that David, case, an abortion might be uh, recommended. Yeah, David, it seems like your criteria may be, and I don't know if, enough about the development of the embryo to, to, to know definitively, but like, it may be that your criteria is like when the fetus becomes conscious. You know, it might be right. like when it's, right, first conceived, there's no consciousness. Right, exactly, exactly. So, like, you know, like an hour after people have had sex, I don't think, um, you, you know, if you take the morning after pill, I mean, is, is that an abortion technically? Or, I mean, I, I guess it is because you're aborting the chance of, of reproducing another human being. So... I guess even just taking the morning after pill would, would technically be an abortion. Yes. But I, I, but I, I definitely wouldn't ascribe, um, you know, um, 
what you're doing to to be getting rid of an, of another life at that point. So, I don't think abortion should be done on the basis of what gender the child is or what um, you know what disability they have. But UKIP, uh, there was a doctor from UKIP a while back, uh, or he was a supporter of UKIP at least. He said he wanted to abort babies that had disabilities or something, didn't he? Right. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. That wouldn't surprise yeah. <laughs> All right, so so Chandler, let me so let me ask you. So like, let's say you know, what what's to how do we counter that? In other words, like if people tomorrow, everyone understood that free will is an illusion, and people began to feel, well, you know, it's not my fault. This is what the universe is making me do. How do we, you know, how do we minimize the abortion the abortions in that case? Because on the one hand, you know, understanding that um, we don't have a free will basically frees people from this um, denial, it allows them to explore it, but then, you know, again, you know, like, people could conclude that, well, you know, um, I don't have a free will, and apparently, you know, the universe is making me want to do this, and, like, how can we say the universe is wrong? Very interesting question you posed there, George, because... I do think that this, as this no free will understanding becomes more popular, I do believe it will simplify the abortion debate. I think it will be greatly simplified, at least, in the sense that we won't have people arguing over whether abortion is, in fact, killing a baby. We won't have to argue over that. And people won't feel guilty about it. But yes, a lot of people, they will be saying, well, the universe is, you know, compelling me to to have an abortion because I don't want this child in my body at this time or I or something like that. So I'm, yeah, how to counter that is interesting because like how you phrased it, like how can we say that the universe is wrong? And well, that's a little bit weird because, you know, I mean, I'm not exactly, you know, I'm not pantheist exactly. I'm, I don't really find a problem with saying that the current events, the way things are, are wrong. And it gets into the whole, you know, morality, like, you know, subjective, objective morality, who says what's right or wrong. Um, and so I, it's, yeah, I think the whole morality thing was probably a topic for a, a later podcast. But this is a very good question that I'm going to consider here. Um, because, yes, I am saying that, yes, you know, the way people feel about abortion is, um, is you know it's going to be different based on their experiences. I'm not there. I don't believe that there's an actual that the universe actually has an opinion or that the universe is some arbiter of moral law or necessarily. Um, I just really feel really upset about this subject, and many people do. But one thing is for certain that I can say is that people the the pro um, the pro life, the pro-choice, and the pro-abortion um, sides of the abortion debate, you know, they won't, people won't have to hate each other and blame each other and be so hostile and like, oh, you're evil because you disagree with me on abortion. And that's what I want to eliminate. You just can't win with these situations, can you? I mean, if you're, if you're for or against mm -hmm. abortion, you're bound to get a call by an idiot by either side, you know what I mean? Yeah, but Jamie, but Jamie, Chandler's point is very, very important. In other words, under the free will paradigm, calling people idiots and hating people who don't agree with you is much more prevalent. Of course, yeah, I totally agree, but 
you know, it's it's going to take a while to fix this problem. You know that. Yeah. And yet, here's the deal, Jamie. While while it will take a long time to get people to agree and work together on reducing abortion, um, it does not take that long once people understand that nobody has a free will and that nobody's to blame for anything. Then the hatred, yes, the hatred and the yes, that's the real problem, and that's why we're doing a podcast about this, guys. Because this is very relevant to the free will um, belief, just as climate change is. Just as climate change, people deny climate change because they don't want to feel guilty for destroying the planet. Similarly, people don't want to feel guilty and feel responsible for killing babies. So I think that this is a very important topic for those issues, just like it is for about animal cruelty and how buying the products of, you know, meat and other animal products is contributing to the suffering of those animals. And so the free will, overcoming this illusion of free will, is the biggest thing ever. It's like bigger than Newton or Galileo or Darwin or whoever all those other people were, as John Searle said. I'm sure Guys, George just take it. Is it Michael, or, Michael Walsh, are you on the call? Because I see his, his icon here on my um, iPod. Oh, iPod. I, I thought I added him, but, but apparently... not here. Okay. All right. Yeah, I just he, want to clarify. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But definitely this guys, this is the biggest thing ever overcoming this illusion of free will. And it, yeah, it will make hostility, it. Wasn't it. Yeah. It will make a difference in the abortion debate, the climate change debate, the carnivorous, carnivorous versus veganism debate. It will make a difference in every area of everyone's life. And so Sam Harris was correct in saying that, you know, this will create, you know, kind of a bigger war than that has, that has been raised on the subject of evolution and creationism. You know, this is the biggest thing ever. And no matter how many times you say it, you cannot, words cannot express the bigness, the universal massive size of this free will topic. Chandler, I hope, I hope uh, Harris is wrong because, you know, again, like the debate about abortion is, is filled with acrimony, to use Harris's word. Um, you know, there are a lot of um, debates in politics that are filled with hostility and all. You know, hopefully, you know, this, this may not be, you know, if, if, if it's packaged and communicated and messaged the right way, you know, if we do a good job of explaining to people that their personal lives are going to be much better once they overcome this delusion, this illusion of free will, you know, we may be able to avoid the, um, the hostility about this debate. And, and again, if the point is right, once we get people to understand that people don't have a free will, then all of a sudden the acrimony attached to all the other debates lessens so much because people no, are no longer blaming each other. You know, I think you might be right about that, George, and that's the whole mission that we have here. If we package this the right way and explain it to people clearly enough there won't have to be this hostility. Or what was that word, acrimony, that you used? Well, yeah, that's Harris's. That's what Harris used in his book, uh, Free Will. Yeah. So, yeah, basically, people won't have to hate each other over any other issue the way they do. And this is the issue. To, it is, you know, basically, it's the debate to, to 
get rid of the hostility or acrimony in every other debate. And hopefully it won't be that hard. It should not be as difficult to get this message understood by people because, you know, with evolution, you have to show them evidence. You have to explain the mechanism for natural selection. You have all of that difficult stuff you have to deal with. But here we've got the causal and acausal dichotomy, and we've explained in many episodes of this podcast, and you've explained in your show, and many people have written books. Everyone has explained very clearly and simply, free will does not exist. It's impossible, no matter how you slice it. And so you're right, it shouldn't be as controversial, it shouldn't be as big a fight. Um, so maybe Sam Harris might be wrong about that in that sense. But I think what Sam Harris might have been getting at is, is that, you know, it is, it is sort of a bigger thing in a way. There, and the resistance to it from the free will believers and what it will cost them once people start really getting this message, it will cost them several things and one and we mentioned it on i believe last night a podcast we were doing how once people understand they don't have a free will a lot of people well then they will it will get rid of their image of you know the god they believe in is all good and so that's another massive hurdle that we have to get over in order for it to succeed we have to um we have to prevent people from being upset over that as well. There has to be some way to absolve even God, find some way for their whole their whole life not to fall apart with that. Because it's easier for some of us atheists out there, but for the majority of the world who are theists, I think that's where the hostility will come from, just as it has, you know, where the creationists don't like evolution, you know. So I think there's a similarity between the two issues. I think religion is contributing to some of this problem, though, especially Christianity, because, um, you know, you've got, like, bigotry and whatnot. Yeah. Um, but, yes, this is an, this. – I'm so glad that we recorded this podcast on this, guys, because, you know, we have to get rid of the blame and hatred that happens. Because if you watch – if you go to YouTube and you watch the, any abortion debate between people – they are yelling, they are fighting, their faces are mean, and we have to eliminate that because people do not solve problems by quarreling. Mm-hmm. I think another, yeah, I think another part of this, so like, you know, it's the denial, it's the, the um, thought by people who are having the abortions that, oh my God, it's really wrong, I can't blame myself, and like, I think what you just alluded to is like, yeah, people will, you know, people will keep this very quiet, the fact that they're considering an abortion, the fact that they're having one, the fact that they did have one, they don't want anyone to know because of this free will belief, because like, they fear that if people know, then they're going to get a lot of animosity directed their way. So again, like, this is a third benefit of overcoming the free will belief, that to the extent people are not feeling guilty or indicted by this, they will, you know, perhaps even like before before having the abortion, talk to people about it, and maybe people can like convince them not to have it, you know, or, or you know, or maybe as people come out, you know, and talk about it more, you know, the the discussion will just be advanced, you know, to to a better understanding of how to prevent it. You know, you're right, George. That's a very important point because it's also hard to solve problems when people are keeping 
uh, their struggles secret because they're afraid of people judging them. And just like Jamie, Jamie has thanked me multiple times, you know, for for not judging him and assuming false things about him, you know, because a lot of people judge him and all that sort of stuff about various things. And I think that this approach needs to be taken with other people. If they know that we're not blaming them, that we're not hating them, we're not judging them, uh, we're not making fun of them, once they understand that, they will talk with us openly and honest about not just abortion, but every struggle it is. What any problem they have, they have a friend that they trust, that they can talk to. That friend can offer their help. Whereas even, you know, those who have the time and the talent and the money even to help people with what their problem is in their life. If those people don't let them know that they need help, how can their friends help them? Yeah, All right, so, so something that's really up, related to uh, no friction, basically. So something that's related to all this, for example, is that like here in the United States and other parts of the world, many people are theistic. They believe in God. So to the extent we're telling them that like they don't have a free will and we're kind of like uh, positing or concluding that uh, abortion is wrong, it's evil, it's murder, whatever, then in the minds of many people, they're going to say, well, if it's not our fault, it has to be God's fault. The question becomes, how do we message this in a way that people can, you know, accept that, yes, God is God that has made people do this? Now, George, that's a very interesting thing. And we're at our 30-minute mark, so I think that's a good, a good thought to end this episode on. And one that we will probably revisit is how to absolve God about the evil and suffering in the world. It, abortion and climate change or any other suffering, that will be a topic for a later podcast. So I guess I'll end this, this episode pretty soon. You've been listening to Free Will, Science, and Religion with Chandler Klebb, Jamie Soden, David Joseph, George Ortega, and WSD Time. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this, even though this isn't the most comfortable subject to talk about in the world. So we understand if you disagree. But if you uh, if you agree or disagree or have something to add, you know you can always you can always contact us, and I will try to make sure that you can you can always email me um, qu questions as well. And if you have questions for certain people who said something, then I can make sure that they get back to you. So, okay, bye for now. <laughs>